Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Folks, we're back. Biscuits, colon, a hockey podcast. There's maybe one game left in the season. Maybe there's three. There's probably two. But I'm Dave. You know me, Dave Lozo, the guy who hangs out in the Brooklyn office to do this podcast. You know my buddy, my buddy up north. Say hi, say hi, buddy. Hey, everybody. It's Sean, and I am coming to you live from the location I've occupied for the last two months, the driver's seat of the Washington Capitals bandwagon. You did it. You did it. We haven't done anything yet. I mean, we're almost there. People are going to forget about this. Like when they do the when they do the Stanley Cup DVD in a couple months, and they you know they talk about the season highlights. You know, there'll, there'll be a whole thing on the save and Alex yeah. Ovechkin's resurgence, and they're just going to completely forget about what you did to make this happen. And that's a shame, man. Well, I hope I hope that they don't, and I I hope the Capital fans rally around me and make sure that you know they they don't. I don't even like you. Don't even have to have my name on the cup. Like just my like the Twitter handle would be fine. I don't expect both. Oh really? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, come on. You want you know a, a little picture of me, something like that. I mean, that's that's fine too. How about this? How about your name, not your Twitter handle, and then just like information about your book that's coming out in this way? That'd be great. You know? Yeah, like the Amazon link or something. That'd be fantastic. Right. And then and then below that, it just says Dave Lozo, and then it's like X'd out. Like, <laughs> like Peter Buck. Yeah. It's like, like, right. Dave Dave Lozo will be on the, the, the second round cup that he, he yeah. to, to be fair, you know what? You know what? It, it's, it's like anything in life where... Um, I always think about that scene in Moneyball when Billy Bean goes to interview with the Red Sox and the I forget it's John Henry whoever he interviews with in the movie says you know the first person through the wall always gets bloody, and that's me like I'm Billy Bean I'm the first right. person to go through the wall yep. and then I just stopped moving once I got to the other side of the we wall all, we all walked over you <laughs> God what man you know what like like the Caps are going to win this it's it's pretty much inevitable at this point but man. I am gonna for, like I'm never gonna forget how Tampa blew this. How Tampa had the Stanley Cup and and they just completely got inside their own heads for seven games and just just tanked that series. And and to to send the message that it would never happen again, they fired their assistant coaches. The real problem behind that seven game loss to the Caps, which is just classic NHL stuff, man. It really is. I'm so it's, mad. It's become like the new thing. Everybody just fires their assistant coaches. Yeah. Which yeah, okay. So I. I, I let's back up here because you you tried to sneak it in just there 
Come on, it's over. And, it's and over. as as you know, as the over. as the Caps bandwagon driver, I'm not going to let you do it. <laughs> I think did did I hear you say the word inevitable? You know, I, I I looked this up last night. Do you know how many times a team has blown a three-one series lead in the Stanley Cup Final? One time. One time. And you know when that was? That and was that, that was the three-zero. That was the three-zero. So so no team has ever won Game Four of the Stanley Cup Final to go up three-one and lost and lost the series. And the one time it happened, it was seventy-six years ago. I looked this right. up too. At the time that happened, when it was Toronto over Detroit, right? When that happened. I looked this up because I was just writing something last night and I just look up stupid things that I never actually use in the stuff I'm writing. But at that time in 1942, there had the first casino on the Las Vegas Strip was only there for a year. It got built in April of 1941. So the last time that happened, like Las Vegas basically didn't exist in the way we know it today. Yes. And now the Caps are the team. I- that are, that's that, going to find a way to probably blow it, right? That, yeah, I mean, that has <laughs> that has nothing to do with with any like i mean that it, it and i can tell you this and now that i'm a hockey historian like in 1942 you know how long ago that was they didn't even have a puck back then <laughs> the game have? was just played on the honor system <laughs> you just waved your stick and went i think in the event that we had some sort of projectile that would have gone in and that was it that was how mm-hmm. the games were decided right up until i, I want to say like 76 or so I don't know. I may not have done quite as much research as I told the publishers I was going to, so there there may be some faulty information in here. But I I mean, we I love this. I love that we find ourselves in this situation where the Washington Capitals are one game away, one win away from ending 44 years of misery. I mean, this is a franchise that started off as the worst team quite possibly in the history of the NHL, maybe the worst team in the history of sports when they, when they came in in the 74 expansion, a team that capped off their first season by being so excited that they finally won a road game that they picked up a garbage can and passed it around like the Stanley cup because that's, and that's true. That actually happened. That's how bad that team was, was, finally got up to respectability but really was a a non-factor then once they did start getting into the playoffs they start blowing all these leads all this misery that the penguins rivalry uh i mean you go down the list the easter epic uh, all of these things we could come up with and they're one win away from erasing all of that it's crazy man. but it's with a 3-1 lead in the stanley cup final against an expansion team and i promise you there can't possibly be one single washington capitals fan out there right now oh no who feels confident no who's walking around with like a, a swagger or a chip on their shoulder going like we got this nope and it's not even like fake confidence like you know that bs thing people do where they pretend like hey it's not over but they know in their heart like inside they're right. giggling like caps fans aren't doing that at all but no. you, you bring this up the garbage can thing. They could do that again this year when they win the cup by just passing around Tom Wilson. There you go. How about hey, that? Connect, connect, connect the generations. Exactly. A little, little something, a uh, little something old school. <laughs> oh man, I. But it's like, over. I'm, it's over I'm, though. I'm, you know it's over. Like right? You're, 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 I know you're the Caps bandwagon guy. But as an know. objective, rational observer, Braden Holpe's not losing. Outside, come on. I mean, I, I think their their odds are overwhelmingly good, but I. I, I can't imagine that there's any capital fans out there who, I mean, right now they're yelling 
at their device, whatever they're listening to this on, they're yelling like, shut up, shut up, shut up, because they, they, they are, they have the history. I mean, I think it's what, they're seven and five all time when they've had a 3-1 series lead. It's some crazy, terrible like record the that rest makes no of sense. The, yeah. the rest of the NHL is like 132 and seven or something like that. <laughs> like, it's just insane. And, and I mean, here's the thing. I, you go into game five, obviously the Caps have the momentum. They're playing better. We'll, we'll get into kind of what we what we saw in the in the two games since since our last show. But, you know, the Caps are the better team right now. Things are rolling. Things are going good. They've got the momentum. But you're, they're going into game five. You're in the other team's building. Vegas got an excellent home record. Building's going to be loud. Uh, you know, it's, it's you got your season on the line. Uh, they're going to, you know, if there's a good chance, we're going to see the best that the Knights can put up there. It's a good chance Vegas wins that game. Is, is okay, there, uh, you know, three, so three two, you come home. Now you can win the cup at home. You're still feeling good, but if that sixth game gets off to a slow start, everybody is going to be thinking it. Everyone's going to be sitting there going, I, "It's happening again," and now it's happening in the Stanley Cup Final. And I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it happen in past years in Washington, where the building just goes quiet because everybody. Everybody knows the history, and the history shouldn't matter. Like, you know, whatever happened with Peter Bondra and, like, Mikhail Pavanka back in 1994 or whatever it was has nothing to do with Alexander Ovechkin, but it does. It does when it comes to it comes to these ghosts getting dragged back up. Well, I mean, just the last two years affect Alex Ovechkin because apparently, apparently Alex yeah. Ovechkin, according to things I've read the past couple of days, is now a completely different player. Like, like he's he's transformed. He's, he changed. He's, he's changed. He figured it out, Dave. Right. Which he I'm, figured it out, man. He made that change where now he does that thing differently than mm-hmm. you know the mumble mumble thing. You saw yeah, that, I, right? Yeah, we all saw know. that. I, like, like I get it. Like Alex Ovechkin is a different player than he was ten years ago. There's no, I'm no problem with that argument at all. He's a more well-rounded player. But the idea that like he's he's different than he was the last two years. Like he's playing better for sure. He's obviously scoring. He's 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 a better he's a better offensive player. But this idea that like suddenly like he has it. He's figured yeah. it out. Like, what are we doing, man? How, like he how many got times are we going to do this? years into his career and then decided right. he wanted to win the Stanley Cup. Didn't we learn this from Phil Kessel? Like, like we got to stop doing this where the best player on a bad team is always the guy at fault when they don't win the championship. Well, like, that's I mean, not Steve, Steve Eisenman was the classic uh, example. And Steve Eisenman, I think know. he won. He finally won in his 13th season. And now Ovechkin's in his 13th season. We're doing the same. I mean, part of the problem is we love this narrative so much of – the guy who can't win the big one, but then he figures it out because he again, figures and, it out. I love it. Yeah, th- oh, this is it. this, this thing that, you know, <sighs> I hate, but I understand why so many hockey fans and definitely so many in the hockey media, because it's, you know, it's, it's a great story to write that, you know, this is the league where whoever wants it most wins. That's it. Whoever tries hardest, whoever has the best compete level and the most heart, they win. And if you lose, it's not because your team was worse or because you got outcoached or because you got unlucky. It's because you didn't want it bad enough and you just got to want it more. And then at the end of the year, like nobody ever says going in, well, out of the 16 playoff teams, here's the one that wants it the most. We wait until the Stanley (laughs) Cup is handed out and we go, you know what? You know what's interesting about those guys? Turns out. (laughs) They wanted it a lot. And it's stupid. And it's and I've I've written about that. It's kindergarten thinking. This idea that if you just try your very best, everything you ever want will happen. Yeah, don't teach and, kids and that stuff. Happen, just, like, but 
it's it makes for a great storyline and we're kind of seeing it play out now like i i wrote a thing last week where i i did uh it was my my list of the 10 players where if alexander ovechkin wins the stanley cup who takes his place as the poster child for the nhl star who can't win the big one Long question. and and i and i and it was a list of 10 but the twist on the premise was i used three of the 10 spots to just argue that this whole concept is stupid and we shouldn't be doing it and and basically argue with myself and and i spent well over half of the article actually laying out why i thought this was a dumb narrative and we should just abandon it and alexander ovechkin should be the last one to ever get that label which and the thing was i got so many people what every time i tweeted it out so many people sincerely replying they oh, yeah. clearly had not read the article sure they're just like immediately like like Lundquist, stamkos you know like just going and i'm like oh you're gonna be so disappointed when you actually click the link and read past the headline and realize that i'm i'm actually trying to kind of make fun of the idea that that you're but it was so overwhelming that at some point it was like you know what i give up everybody loves it so sorry steven stamkos you're next yeah just just write that story for the next six years that's the worst because because if you're if you're listening right now steven start wanting now if not wanting enough you get like like you should fist clench tongue sticking out of the side of your mouth just want it really badly for the next year and then you'll be fine one of the worst things about twitter i mean there's a lot of them but like you and i we 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 traffic in the jokes we we do the jokes on the twitter we do the jokes on in the in the stories and the in the comms and whatnot and when you tweet out your link you don't necessarily ever want to give away the joke before they click the link Right. right So, but the problem is when you do that, there are so many people that follow you that don't click the link. Like just like, if you ever pose a question in a tweet with a link, you may as well just write, don't <laughs> click this because no one's going to click on it. It's just how it yeah. works. It's so infuriating, man. Oh, but it is Lundqvist though, right? I mean, like he's, he's, he's going to be the guy, like he's going to be the guy the next two, three years until his contract runs out. He's going to be on a bad team. He's going to be I, older. I hope he is because he would be the, like the worst option because he is like, he can't win the big one, except that he's got like the best game seven record of any goaltender in history. And also he won a gold medal and he can't win the big one. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Why not? And those four, those four years he had when the Rangers window was open, when they got to the conference final and the Stanley Cup final, he was, yeah. he was nuts. He was so unbelievably good. And the rest of the team was just, you know, they were getting Rick Nash and, but it's never Rick Nash's fault. Oh, well, that's not true. I guess it is Rick Nash's fault a lot. That's probably a bad example, but I, I don't know. I, I do think there are some guys like Rick Nash who like shrink in the playoffs, but I don't like Lundqvist isn't him. Alex Ovechkin has, I mean, I don't know what he's averaging now. I think it was through the first two games. I think he was averaging still in his career, a half a goal a game in the postseason. Yeah. It, which half I believe was at at some point, and I don't know if it was the, the piece I wrote last week, but at some point I wrote like it, it, he had the highest goals per game average in the playoffs of any active player in the cap era. It's insane. So basically, I mean, you know, and it was like Phil Kessel was the same at one point. I think Phil Kessel was, had the highest, I was either goals or points per game of a certain, certain amount. And yet he was the guy where it was like, uh, this guy can't, he can't, he can't play. And you can't win with this guy. He doesn't come through in the playoffs because of what he'd done in Boston and Toronto. And it was like, well, actually he's scored at a better rate, but you, mm. you never let, facts get in the way of a good storyline and if you catch somebody you know slumped over making the wrong facial expression you just go yeah that's that's it it's such a dumb narrative and we do it in all sports like peyton manning couldn't win the big one and then won the super bowl 
and then lost a few more games and went somehow went back to not being able to win the big one. I, maybe we'll do that to Ovechkin. Maybe like three years from now, the Capitals have made it out of the first round. We'll be like, you know who can't win the big one except one time? <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin. When's the last time Jonathan Taves won anything in this league, huh? How long has it been now? God, does that, does that guy forget? You're talking about one of the top 100 players <laughs> in the history of this league there, so... Uh, just on the, on the topic of Ovechkin, is he going to win the Conn Smythe? You know, I was thinking about that. I thought going into the series that no matter what happened, Marc-Andre Fleury was going to win the Conn Smythe just because of how nuts he was the first three rounds. But he's sitting, he's, I, I don't know what he, I know he was at 870, I think, going into game yeah. four. And now he's got to be below that. 54 yeah, point something goals against that's, just for the final. But that kind of not... rules him out, I think, right? So now you're left yeah. with... You're left with two Russians. You're left with Kuznetsov and you're left with Ovechkin. I personally think Kuznetsov deserves it, but I know how these people vote. You know, they they think yeah. of the like like Crosby has two Con Smites because his name is Sidney Crosby. Because people thought, well, you know, the idea that Sidney Crosby would win two cups or three cups and not have a Con Smythe is crazy. So we got to give him a Con Smythe. And now Ovechkin's probably going to get the same treatment. Not that getting Ovechkin the the Con Smythe is is crazy like it was the year when. Crosby robbed Phil Kessel, but I mean, if you're looking at who's been better mm-hmm. from start to finish, I'd probably give it to Kuznetsov. But Kuznetsov has got he's he's outscoring him, but by a the margin at this point after four games is not so large that no. that kind of ends the discussion. Uh, yeah, they they like on uh, uh, on Hockey Night Canada last night they had briefly the panel kind of mentioned that and they they sort of I, I think it was Elliot. Freeman kind of laid out the case and said, you know, Ovechkin's done this, but Kuznetsov's done this. He's got a couple extra goals, a couple extra points. And then they kind of threw it to the panel and they were like, who would you vote for? And everybody right away was like, Ovechkin. Ovechkin. He's a veteran. He's the older guy. He's the veteran. You know, he's, you know, the guy who's kind of earned it. He's, the, he's viewed as, you know, the team's leader. He's he's obviously the face of the franchise. So, you know, it's... it's uh, I mean, Kuznetsov, yeah, I Kuznetsov had the game-winning goal to, to end the Penguin series. He's He scored that yeah. big goal against Vegas without coming back from the injury. I don't know. I just I feel like if Kuznetsov was was named, um, you know, Jacques Lafleur and he was from somewhere in Quebec, we wouldn't be talking about this because he would get it. That's what's going to happen is Kuznetsov yeah, and Ovechkin I... will cancel each other out and they're going to give it to Braden Holpe. I just think Tom Wilson. He's the inspiration. He's Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith Pelly has scored some pretty big goals in the final, my friend. I don't That's know. That's true. That's possible. No, I mean I think I think Ovechkin's a worthy yeah. a worthy winner. But because that's what would be too. He's been and you know, it's probably still close enough that if you know, if if, if there's a you know, Kuznetsov gets a hat trick in game five and maybe maybe it goes that way. But And they're line mates too, so it's kinda hard to separate them as individuals. Yep. I think they've been line mates the whole postseason. Maybe just maybe co. How about that? How about co con smites? When's the last time we had co con smites? Have there been co con smites? Don't think there ever has been. I would assume there can because it, there's there's very few votes. Like the, the if people don't know, this isn't like the Hart Trophy where there's three hundred hockey writers voting on it. There, there's like I think eighteen guys who are at the Stanley Cup final and they just fill out their ballot like on a piece of paper with 10 minutes left in the third period of whatever might be the last game. So in theory, you would think there could, there could be a tie. I don't know what the, if there's a tie breaking process or if it's. Yeah. It would probably have to or, like, if, if, cause like the way that like it is works, a ranked list, it's like one, yeah. two, three. Or something. So it's, it's not, there's it's probably, not like 
be nine nine, but there's points like the way it works for voting. So like it would have to basically happen by accident. You know what I mean? Like you could. Yeah, it's not something you could. It. It's not like they could get together and say we're going to split it. Uh, Two Russians winning the consmite. That'd be fantastic. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Don Cherry's head explode. Just just once. I can't. I I I am really looking for it. And I know you know Caps fans. I'm don't. I'm not jinxing you. It's it's. I'm not saying it's over. But, but I would love to see an Alexander Ovechkin Cup handoff. I think that has some excellent potential for looking ridiculous. By the way, and, we're not we're not jinxing them, but we've spent the first twenty minutes talking about the Consmith, how the series is over, how yeah, yeah, yeah. who should be in, engraved on the Stanley Cup. I you know the, <laughs> I think the parade is going to be great, but uh, I'm not saying it's over. I'm just saying you know it's, it's a parade. There just might be a, a parade of some sort. What do you what do you uh, what do you think has gone gone right in three and four? Because people have pointed out that the Caps aren't exactly dominating territorially, and they're just kind of getting all the bounces that Vegas used to get. And now they don't. It's Vegas is no longer getting any bounces, and Flurry is no longer making yeah. any saves. It seems simple. That's pretty much what's happened. I, the I think. Game. I mean, that's pretty much what happened in Game Four for sure. I, I think Game Three was a good example of the Capitals kind of shutting. Not not shutting them down, but really taking away a lot of right. a lot of what has worked for Vegas. Because you know, as, as I've I've said repeatedly, like the the thing that's most surprising to me about the Vegas Golden Knights and what they've done as an expansion team is, uh, you know, not just the record and the playoff run, but how they've done it. It's they they're they're not some boring clutch and grab, kill the excitement and make it try to win one nothing, like you know, the, the 96 Panthers, this is that, you know, their, their speed and skill and counterattack and all of this stuff. And a lot of teams have not been able to handle that. And, and the Capitals certainly in game three really did. I was on some, some radio show and the, whoever I was talking to, I made the point where they said, you know, if you, you take away like the, the, the Stanley cup logo on the ice, that game three felt like a game in December yeah. that you would just see right. and immediately kind of forget, which, Ordinarily, you would describe as being a great road game, and not necessarily the game you want to play when you've, you've you're on home ice. But it worked for Washington. Like I, I feel like they sort of just they did what they had to do. It wasn't flashy. It was the least entertaining game in the series, but it was what they needed to do. They they you know took away the neutral zone. They they were the team forcing the turnovers and counterattacking. They seemed able to handle the forecheck much better and, and get that first quick pass and get out uh, bef- before you get boxed in and, and start making mistakes. And then game four comes along and this is going to sound ridiculous to say, I'm not sure I've ever seen the team play as well and look as dangerous in a first period as the Knights did and come out three goals down. It's crazy. It was nuts. They were all over. And, you know, obviously everyone's looking at the, like the James Neal, open net uh and and hitting the post and and you know that's part of it but they had so many chances even when it was one nothing i was sitting there going they if they get the next goal like i i could have seen that being a 6-2 vegas win and they just didn't get it and i don't even know if I, you know i'm not even sitting here saying well here's why they didn't do this they didn't do that like it, it they were just throwing everything getting a ton of chances and like you said the bounces just weren't there for once, it was like it just completely dried up, and and it's got to it's got to feel like bizarre world if you're a Capitals fan because you're sitting there going like the bounces are going our way, things are happening, you know, good things are happening now. This these are it's like a greatest hits of all the things that 
will usually happen at the Capitals in this situation, and now they're happening in their favor. By the way, I, there's a lot of things from the, for these last two games that I could probably sit here and talk about for an hour, but I, I feel like we've lost what the definition of a reverse hit is at some point during this series, where when a guy has the puck and he's about to get hit, he throws the, quote, reverse hit, where he leans into the defender coming into him and then checks him to the ice. And like what TJ Oshie did in game four, like I feel like that's a little closer to what a reverse hit is, although I, I don't know. it's the, the rules on a reverse hit are so weird. I remember watching the NHL player safety video on it the first time it happened. I think it was like Matt Zuccarello threw a reverse hit and like just annihilated somebody. And there's like I feel like there's more leeway for hitting someone in the face when you do that. Like it's it's not it's not that it's a legal thing. Like, but I don't know. I feel like if you throw a hit, whether it's a reverse hit or a regular hit, like the one Oshi did, and you break a guy's nose, like I feel like you shouldn't be able to do that. Like I'm totally all for like leaning into a guy and hitting him in the chest as he's about to hit you and dropping him. But like breaking a guy's nose to set up a three on one feels like something you would see in like a prison like hockey movie about like you know like, he, like I mean, the longest yard. Break his hockey. nose. It's it wasn't a shoulder or an elbow. It was a guy. It, you know, it was two guys both going for contact and. Yeah, one but guy's I'm, face smashes into the back of someone's helmet. I mean, it wasn't even, he didn't even he like kinda, he, throw he, his head back in his direction or yeah, anything. I don't know. I mean, kinda, I think at some point if I'm braced for a hit and you slam into me, not into my elbow, not, you know, but you just slam into me and into yourself. I, I don't TJ think Oshie that's wasn't stationary. He wasn't like setting a pick in basketball. He was, he went into him. He didn't like, he didn't like leave his feet or well, they were both anything, moving, but, you know, in the same direction. Like he, he kind of slammed on the brakes, but it wasn't like he, he just, you know, mm. he was coming at, in his direction. But that, so. but that one I thought was at least, you know, you can argue that one was fine. But the, the Brooks Orpic one in Game Three, like that wasn't yeah. a, that wasn't a reverse hit. Nobody had the puck. You just like the puck went into the corner. Orpic and who who did he hit again? I forget who he hit already. It was he hit somebody, and the guy he hit just gets sent flying, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's a great reverse hit." But it's like, no, nobody had the puck. That's interference. When you hit a guy that doesn't have the puck, it doesn't matter if the mm -hmm. puck's near you. That's interference. When you hit a guy who doesn't have the puck, unless both guys are going for the hit, which does happen sometimes. Yeah, if you're both like skating towards the puck, but like and that's and that's where I'm kind of that's where it, it loses me a bit because to me it's like you know we we all know the situation where there are times where you know I'm going for the puck and you just decide knock me out of the way. That's interference. But there are times where two guys both go in and it's it's kind of like, all right, you know the collision is coming. And if one guy gets the better of that collision. Yeah. When two guys are kind of like moving towards the puck and they both get to the puck yeah. at the same time. Not when one guy just like, you know, hangs a right and just annihilates you as you're going to the puck. Like that's different. Yeah. Or slams on the brakes and just, you know, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, the refereeing has been fine the last two games, but I just thought those, those two things. Were well, let's let's talk about that because I think a lot of Vegas fans would say no, it hasn't been because a lot of them are are very frustrated, or a lot of you know a lot of people in general felt like last night there were a lot of there were a lot of cases where the Golden Knights players certainly seemed to think there should be a penalty. Uh, the Ryan Reeves high stick behind the net, right, with Brooks Orpic, but mm -hmm. that I mean that was kind of. Like I, I don't know. Maybe the, this over. may be. Maybe this is like a Canadian American difference in terms of the, the broadcast that we watched. But before yeah. last night's game on on Hockey Night Canada, Elliot Friedman reported that he had heard from an official, a former official, so mm -hmm. not someone working this game or working in the league, but a former official that basically the word had got out that James Neal was trying to sucker referees into penalties by snapping his head back and 
getting getting dramatic every time anything got up up close to being high and they they showed some clips from earlier in the in the series where you know he he seemed to be doing that and going down holding his face and and that sort of thing and that the word had gotten out that th- this was he was going a little overboard with this and and basically you know Elliot's point was keep an eye on this because he may not get some calls that you might think he would get and sure enough that's exactly what happens first to James Neal early in the game where he sort of you know like he he threw the slash but then he kind of got a high stick in the scrum and he goes down holding his face and there's no call then you had the Ryan Reeves thing where he got hit by his own stick or stick but kind of you know again head snaps back goes down and then there was um who was it was it Backstrom and and Miller did you guys get that? Oh yeah, yeah, shot yeah. Like it was where Backstrom is. You know, they're kind of jawing back and forth, and Backstrom like snaps his head back, like basically saying, "Like this is as you're doing." And it just felt like there, you know, suddenly, uh, you know, almost out of nowhere for this game, there was this theme that the Golden Knights are the team that's doing the head snaps and trying to draw penalties, and the officials just weren't buying it, and and suddenly. Uh, you know, and then you and then you see it with with Miller, where he gets where he, he has the collision with Oshi, and and that kind of falls into the same category. So <laughs> yeah. he's faking, he's faking. You're, you're bleeding out of your nose. You're that that's that yeah. you did you did that yourself. Get out of here. That's but good. There, but that's you know, good. but at the same time, it's kind of like you know what I, the I mean, he got his nose broken. I don't doubt for a second he was. <laughs> The play's still going on, man. Like you, you can't be standing still holding your oh, face. Oh, come on! Your nose is broken. Yeah, I've never had my nose broken, but I can't. I can't imagine being able to. Like I, I remember seeing a movie once. I believe it had Jean Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal, and he, they were talking about. I mean, this is how you know it's like a fact because those guys, like it's like it's basically like watching a documentary when you watch a Steven Seagal fight scene. And he was. I believe they were talking about how like if you break someone's nose. Like yeah, obviously the your bone breaks that hurts, but then like your eyes water and puff up, you can't see because your nose is broken. Like like I'm all for like a guy getting hit, hit in the leg with a slap shot and then like getting up and fighting through the the cramp and the bruising and the tightness and all that. But like if your nose is broken and a goal gets scored like 1.9 seconds later, like you can't do anything about that. Come on, come maybe, on, Sean. Maybe not. Maybe you can't. But my point is to an official who has been either told or decided on their own to watch for this kind of thing. Seeing a collision like that, where there's there's no there's no elbow comes up, there's no stick or anything, you're not necessarily watching for you know a, a face and a helmet to to collide. Seeing a guy grab his face and stop playing, you may think, "Here yeah. we go again." Yeah, and that's, that's and, good, and you know that's a good way to referee. It, it may not have been a penalty in the first place. So, uh, so but yeah, it just it you know I I I'm sure if you're a Vegas fan, you're sitting there going, "Look at all these plays where our guys are getting hurt and our guys are you know holding their." faces and they get guy got his nose broken and they're not calling anything and you know certainly Gerard Glant seemed to have a couple of cases where he was on the bench really you know I I wouldn't say giving it to the officials but certainly looking for an explanation on why certain things weren't called um you were fine with that you you felt like it was a well-officiated game Eh, I mean I think the, the the so just going back to the idea that since James Neal basically che- had his hand checked into his face and he and his head snapped back and the referees called a penalty because the referees screwed up that call instead of looking inward, being introspective and saying, what are we doing wrong where we're not calling that penalty or we are calling that penalty that's not a penalty? 
and we're not calling actual penalties. What could we do better? Instead, it's, you know what? Screw Vegas. Anytime they're holding their face, we're not calling it. Like, that's an insane way to go about doing your job because in those situations, like James Neal in that game really got hit in the face. Colin Miller, I mean, whether it's a penalty or not, he really got hit in the face. Ryan Reeves, I watched the replay. I, I Was it his own stick? I thought it was Orpic's stick. Was I think it, it not? was. Well, I think right. it, no, I thought it was his own stick, although it was still right. But that's know, not him. Yeah, like but, Ryan yeah. Reeves isn't diving there. You get hit in the face with a stick, no. you go down. Like that's just a crazy sort of way to officiate the game. But See, my- I, I disagree. To my mind, and I say this as somebody where you know I'm, I'm coming from. Just call what you a see. Bias, which is here's my bias. I hate, I hate diving. I hate embellishment. I hate the head snaps. I can't stand any of this. But they do so it. I but they do it because they don't no call problem. penalties, though. That's why they do it. Like it's like this. It's I like don't this care. Circular. I, I, I can't thing. stand it, and I have no problem with the official saying, "If you pull that stuff and you get us and you embarrass us oh. by having us by suckering us into calling a penalty that wasn't a penalty, check the ego. At the you've door. lost your benefit. Your benefit of the doubt is gone. And yeah, maybe some calls that should go your way are going to go against you. That's the cost of trying to show up an official and you know what that's life and you you can because right now why would i not if i'm an nhl player and i get any sort of why wouldn't i dive why wouldn't i embellish why wouldn't i put on a show the worst that's going to happen is i might get two minutes but the other guy gets it too because they never just call the embellishment so why not there's there's really no downside to me turning this into soccer and and faking on every possibility that i can do it unless I understand that once I, yeah, you might get this call, but you're going to lose the next five. I've got no issue at all with the officials doing that. But they do it because they don't they call did. penalties. That's the problem is they don't call actual penalties. So when you keep getting slashed in the face or, by the way, that was great last night. Brooks Orpik got called for slashing someone in the face. Isn't that just high sticking? Like face slashing? Is that like a separate yeah. thing? But, but like I, I understand where players are coming from where, you know, like like in the in game two when Kuznetsov gets hit in the face and he goes down and they don't call it and Spiza gets a stick in the face and no one sees that. And, and there's so many calls that don't get made that I understand that when you feel the stick tug you or you feel the stick graze your face, like I, I understand the, the, the instinct to throw your head back I, because I they're, they're not going to call it. Too, and I get why players do it now because there's no incentive not to do it. And there should be. And it's, you know, I like that the league finds divers. I like that they name them. I wish they went back to the old system where they posted a list and, you know, really embarrass these guys because, uh, you know, I, I would love to see the balance of incentives for doing this changed a little bit. And I've got no problem. And, you know, you say, well, they don't call penalties and yeah, you're right. We've, we talked about this. There's a lot of penalties they should call that they don't, but every time they call a penalty, whoever they, Called the penalty on complains all the way to the penalty box. So, ah, you know, you can't turn around and go, well, you know, we want you to call penalties. It's, that's, you know what? That's universal. You though. Then go ahead and give the referees the guidance to, to call more. And that can come from the league and that can be done. It's not up to the players to turn this into the Oscars and, and try to sell every call because I'll tell you right now, I'm not the only fan who, who can't stand this stuff. There's a lot of fans. This is a real, and it, not just in hockey, you know, you see the flopping in basketball. Sometimes fans can't stand that. You, you you see it all the time in soccer. And ask any ask any North American sports fan who doesn't like soccer why they don't, and see how long it takes them to mention the flopping and the diving and the faking and all this. And obviously, it's nowhere close in hockey. But people really don't like this stuff. I don't like it. I I would like to see it gone, but there's no way to get rid of it if it works. And if there's no reason not to do it, because there's really there's no penalty involved. 
and there's no downside. There's only upside. So here's the downside. You want to fake? You want to get a penalty? You want, you might get your team a power play. Great. We're going to go look at the replay. We're going to see you embarrassed us, and you're not going to get the next call that's borderline because you've blown your your credibility. I've got no problem at all with the league handling it that way and the officials handling it that way. To me, it's okay if they don't call the borderline penalty, but if a guy really gets cross-checked in the face and they don't call it out of spite, like that's bad. That's really bad. But I don't think they're calling it out of spite. I th- I mean, it, well, you look, just said the, they the were reality- embarrassed. Is why they're not making the calls. If you're you you, no, you can't you can't be a referee and worry about being out embarrassed. Of spite. It's out of saying. I mean, when you're an official, you you see the whole play and you make your decision based on the whole play. It's not like Do the stick though? comes up and the second there's contact and then it freeze frames. Like you are basing it a lot of times on the reaction and what what happens. And if you see something and you go, oh. You know, based on that reaction, that looked like there was contact. But you know what? Oh, I know who that guy is. That guy reacts that way every time, whether somebody brushes up against him or doesn't touch him. So I'm going to let it go. That's not spite. That's saying I something I would normally rely on to help me make the call. I can't rely on for this particular player because he does it all the time. So I'm going to ignore that. And I don't have enough to to call a penalty. I guess my issue, just to wrap it up, and then we'll take a little little break, because Mitch is in my ear pointing out that we've been rambling for like a half hour, and he's right. But the thing that I will go back to is the root of it all, is the is the play where James Neal, you know, it, it's not a penalty and his head goes back. I don't know if his head goes back on that play because he's faking or because he actually had force put into his face, and that's just what you do yeah. when you get hit in the face. And I understand that you watch the replay and he doesn't get hit, but he still gets hit. So I don't know how, or as a referee... You can watch that play and know for sure exactly what James Neal is doing in a split and, second thought, and, 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 and then just, holding that against that they, him forever. They showed more than one example. There, there were a few where you know, and and you're right. You can't read minds. I mean, maybe, and and you know, the the Miller hit last night might have been one where you're watching it in real time, or even during the game, you might go, "Oh, he's he was trying to sell it," and then you find out, "No, he had a broken nose." Okay, maybe that's going on time and again with James Neal. But I, I will say this: like, I know. We, we criticize the officials a lot. You know, we're, a lot of these guys, they're on the ice. They've been doing this for decades. They know far better than we do the difference between somebody selling and exaggerating and, and what a real reaction is. I, I think they do. I think, I mean, these guys, an, an average NHL referee has been 10 feet away from literally thousands of these sorts of plays over the course of his life. I mean, I'm not saying they're, they're, perfect i'm not saying they're all knowing i'm saying that they probably have a pretty good sense of of whose whose reactions are legitimate and and who's trying to sell it and maybe not always in the moment uh but when when you come back and and look at it i mean these guys they 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 deserve all the criticism they get when they get it wrong but they've got a tough job and they don't need somebody else intentionally trying to make their job even harder uh and there should be repercussions if if people do that i've got no issue with it you know it doesn't make your job harder commercials because because they're they're part of us they're part of our show they, they keep us they keep us sustained sean are they are they part of our show i mean i mean technically i guess they they, they appear right in the middle so they're 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 like they're like maybe they're they're like family they're not like immediate family but they're like our, our cousins we like that you know come by and once we a week this, sir, we are not embellishing or exaggerating <laughs> no, our no, no, no. commitment to the Message of the advertiser you are about to hear. Yes. This product is one that we endorse. Can't get enough I of. I guess. Can't get enough of. Yeah, great. Their product and or service. <laughs> so listen to this it's and the then best. come back and we'll, we'll argue some more about some more stuff. So stay tuned. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, so Sean and I disagree on officiating and diving and, and the need for it and why it exists and why it should be punished. But there's one thing that we definitely agree on, and I'm pretty sure everybody agrees on it, and it's that Ryan Reeves is a much better hockey player than David Perron. <laughs> that, that if you're going to build a team around one of those two guys, you pick Ryan Reeves every time. You don't pick the guy that had 66 points for you this season, and, and, and you, you, you don't go with the guy that has maybe 55 points in his career. You, 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 you do go with the guy with 55 points in his career because he, he's tougher, he's grittier, and, and that's how you wind up with um, a 4 nothing lead that becomes a 4-2 game, and there's a little hope there. There's a little flicker of hope there in game four. It's 4-2, four, four, and then on the next shift, you throw Ryan Reeves over the boards to fight Tom Wilson to set up a 4-on-4 that leads to a Capitals game-ending goal. Because he wants it more, because he just wants it more. Apparently, he didn't want. I, I think he maybe he wanted it too much when he tried to, you know, scrap with Tom Wilson. Who, by the way, like don't get me wrong, I hate Tom Wilson. I think he's bad for hockey. I think he's a bad player. <laughs> he did nothing wrong on that play. He like stood there and got punched in the face for like thirty seconds, and then the refs were just like, "Well, yeah, again, this is what the referees do. They're just like, well, you're Tom Wilson, so you have to go to the penalty box too." And it's I like, can't really? believe that we might make it all the way through this series without a Ryan Reeves Tom Wilson fight. Um, I'm not even saying that as someone who wants to see a fight. I'm just like, at some point. Yeah, if it doesn't happen in game five, it's not going to happen, I don't think. Well, I don't know. Tom Wilson fought in game seven. So, I, but yeah, it's, it's, it's at this point, it's like, it's like Ross and Rachel. It's like, just get to it already. Like, we're, <laughs> we're 10 seasons in here. We know how this is going to yeah, end. Just do it. We all know where this is going. Like, let's, you guys but, have a kid and go have a, go get married. But, um, yeah, David, I, I'm baffled, I know man. that they listed David Perron as a healthy scratch. I really wonder if this isn't something where at the end of the mm. series we find out that he was hurt or, or something like that. And it was such a weird thing because, like, they based on, like, the the practice or the, the, the game day skate, like, people were like, oh, it looks like Perron might be out. And then Gerard Gallant was like, strongly denying it like really pushing back and then he just and then he scratches him a few hours later like what was what was the point of that are are the capitals game planning around <laughs> that's how crazy it is wrong? like it, no they're game planning around ryan reeves and that this way they know ryan reeves is still on the lineup they, you know the caps have to spend an extra 20 minutes before the game working on the working on the whiteboard how do we stop ryan reeves do you think like i, I like i'm not entirely positive on how they've been matching up the, for the first four games but there's this weird sort of thing that happened in the Tampa series where John Cooper felt like he had to match his tough physical fourth line against Ovechkin and Kuznetsov. And like, I'm not saying Ryan Reeves is out there every shift against Ovechkin or anything, but it does seem like, like he, like I get it. They're all four lines. That's Vegas's thing all year. But like, again, you, you don't want to have Ryan Reeves out there ever against like Backstrom or Kuznetsov. And yet it just seems like he's, he's just out there randomly sometimes against those guys. And, 
You know, yeah. he, like like he's not he's he's not, he's he's not the most useless like fighter guy at all. Obviously, he can do some stuff, but yeah. I just think at this time of year, you'd you'd rather go with the most skilled guys that you have. And I don't know, like you well, said, it'll, if it'll be interesting hurt, to fine. see now. It'll be interesting to see now that their back is against the wall. Like, do you is this a case where you just get your best players on the ice as much as you possibly can? And yeah, if you're tired, then we'll worry about that tomorrow. Or or do you keep? Rolling the four lines, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Rolling four lines is fine. It's just who's on your well, when you have line? four yeah. lines. Yeah, I don't but know. yeah, Dave, David, I man, has anyone cost themselves more money over the last few months? Because he's, I mean, coming off a career year, sixty plus points. Yeah, he's been not great in the playoffs, but still, and no goals, no goals in the playoffs, and gets himself healthy scratched. I'd rather, or, I'd rather ride him until the end, and as opposed to trying to. Well, I mean, yeah, when you're down 4-2, I'd rather have a 60-point guy to throw over the boards. Well, then uh, again, Ryan, Ryan Reeves is the 6-on-5 extra attacker for Vegas. Like, I, again, like, like I get it. Like, like I know we talked about this before the, the series started, and, and you were pointing out that, you know, maybe Vegas winning isn't the best thing ever because, you know, if Vegas can win, you know, what's the point? Like, why are we living? Why do we do this? Because if anything can happen, like, what's the point of, you know, believing and all that sort of stuff? And, and, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly coming around to that side because if you can just throw Ryan Reeves over the board every fourth shift and, and win a Stanley cup, that's that, that, yeah. Like if, if, if it doesn't matter who you, who you put on the ice, it's just a matter of, you know, grit and well, like, I don't know. Like every, every star player who got traded or, you know, guys are top players that got dealt at the deadline, all the rentals, so many of them were, but like Rick Nash is kind of a bust, Derek Broussard. Tom Stadar has, hasn't done anything, has been scratched. healthy scratched. Go down the list. You know, most of those moves didn't work out. Meanwhile, the Golden Knights take Ryan Reeves to help another contender get better. <laughs> and they're like, I guess we'll use him. They throw him out there. He's scoring like series winning goals and stuff like that. You're just. And the guy they traded um, for, they gave up three draft picks for, can barely crack the lineup in the postseason. They traded a first, a second, and a third for a guy who can't crack their lineup. You know, it, it was a healthy scratch until last night and has three years at five million left. I mean, they had a ton of cap room. They still do have a ton of cap room, but they ate up this huge chunk of it. I man, I, the, I the, G, I the unanimous GM of the year <laughs> got taken to school by Ken Holland at the trade deadline. That's embarrassing. That's really embarrassing, man. And it, nothing matters. It's all random. I, like, I don't want to do the postmortem on Vegas. Yeah, we can save that for when the series is over, but. You know, like like a, a P, like the, I don't want to call them like a PDO fueled like fever dream type team, but like they caught well, they lightning. In, though they were, right, they, I know, well, but they caught lightning in a bottle type of thing. And now, yeah. what's going to happen next season? But we'll worry about that later. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I just feel like if you get too caught up, like what did what did Gerard, Gerard Gallant said something about not subscribing to bounces after the game? Yeah, like, he says seriously, he, like, he didn't didn't believe in or didn't subscribe to the concept of puck luck which everybody says that everybody everyone in hockey says that and i get it if if you're if what you mean is it's out of our control so i'm not going to worry about it and i'm not going to think about it and we can only we'll do the things that we can control and then the rest of it but if if the idea is and i've heard this from fans because i've written about the role of luck in hockey and i get i get like more angry feedback on that from people who are like, you make your own luck. Good teams make their own luck. It's like, what? What does that even mean? How do you how do you make your own luck? No, it's what happens is luck happens and then 
whatever team the luck happens to, we go, well, they're a good team. Therefore, good teams are the ones who get the good luck and one must be causing the other. And it's like, you know what, you know what happened? I'm some Indiana Jones said, I make my own luck in like an Indiana Jones movie in like 1984. And that like burned into the heads of like hockey people in the eighties. <laughs> and that now they just repeat it. Like I, make like, my own I, luck. I get that if Jerk Link gets up there, if someone asks him about puck luck and he says, yeah, you know what? We had terrible luck last night. We played well enough to win. We probably should have won. The puck wasn't bouncing our direction. There's nothing we can do about that. A whole bunch of people are going to go, Oh, okay. So the Knights, they're not going to change anything. They're just going to, complain about bad luck and you know then we we'd be bashing them for that but yeah i mean this is a sport where it's like half of what happens in this sport is just random bounces luck chance whatever you want to call it and yeah but but i get why coaches and and other people in the game don't want to acknowledge that and just Mm kind of pretend it's not the case but it totally is like like i'm okay with looking at puck luck when it comes to the the Smith Pelly goal where the puck gets blocked and it goes right to him and he just chips it over flurry to make it three nothing. And even the second goal I think was a little bit like that too. Like, you know what? Like in a game like that to me, like that's more like if I'm a Vegas fan, like I can live with those kind of goals. If my team is just getting peppered, like if, if it's like the shots are 19 to four after the first period and you're down three, nothing and you're getting some bounces like, yeah, you're living in your own zone for 80% of the period. You leave yourself susceptible to those kind of goals. But when you're not really getting dominated at all at five on five and you're down three nothing because of those goals, that's harder to take. And I, I see that more as puck luck. Like James Neal having an entire net to shoot at and hitting a post, that's not puck luck. That's just a dude missing an open net. Like I don't consider that puck luck at all. That's just a bad shot by James Neal. But the other stuff, yeah, you make your own luck when you dominate five on five shot attempts. And this way you give yourself more opportunities to get those goals that are off of weird bounces. But like, yeah, like last night, the Caps really weren't dominating at all. They well, just and, but that was interesting because Jerry Land also said, you know, in addition to saying he didn't believe in puck luck or subscribe to or whatever, he said, he he also said like that first period was one of our best periods that we played in the series and we were down three nothing. So, okay. So if it's not luck, what's right. going on? Right. You know, what's, what's the explanation for that? But yeah, speaking of coaches, that... Barry Trotz, who we were all ready to fire in the first round, and we were all ready to fire in the second round. And I think some people were even maybe ready to fire. I, I'm saying fire. His contract is up, so it wouldn't even be fire. But, you know, part ways with now is one win away from the Stanley Cup. Is there any possibility in your mind that Barry Trotz is about to coach his last game hmm. for the Washington Capitals? Not because the Capitals decide to walk away but now that he kind of goes you know what i i i've been able to read the writing on the wall for weeks i've got my cup i'm gonna head somewhere else right now and you can go and promote your assistant that you've wanted to promote to take my job all year long that is a good and i'm gonna go get paid i'm gonna go get paid double question. somewhere else like like to me so going into the year we all thought the caps were basically done they had their two big windows wide open and they lost in the second round. And now this year we were all just kind of counting down to the Capitals losing in the first round or the second round, or maybe even missing the playoffs. So I don't know if necessarily your viewpoint on the Caps overall talent level should change. You know, they have, I don't want to keep saying the phrase lightning in a bottle, but they've, they've, they've gotten hot at the right time. Let's say 
if you're Barry Trotz and you look at the roster and the age of Ovechkin and Backstrom, even Oshie, and, and do, do you feel like you're going to be able to have sustained success there? And if you're not, is there a job that's going to be open if you throw it, if you throw it out? I mean, yeah. like if if Bill Peters can get hired in 45 seconds, like what, yeah. Barry Trotz is not going to be I mean, out of work the, for the a long time. The timing is weird. Yeah, the timing is weird because there's, there are no openings, but you would think that there would be an opening, and and Tampa, he could, Tampa. you know, go to Tampa. Just saying. Just saying. I mean, there's, I, I, there, there would certainly be teams that would be interested, or you know, maybe he says, you know what, I've, you know, 15 years in Nashville, three, three or four years in Washington, I've got my cup. I'm going to take a summer off, and I'm going to go, you know, and I'll wait until midway through the season and be the the hottest free agent, or I'll take a year off, and and next off season I'll be the Mike Babcock of the 2019 off season and have everybody coming to me. I, you know, what would, what would you I, do? What would you do? If let, let's say, let's say the season ends, you win the cup and the caps come to you and say, Sean, we love the work you've done here. You're a hero. You're going to be a legend in this city forever. Four years and, and, and 20 million bucks to stick yeah. around. What do you, well, what that's do you it, do? Right. Cause, cause that is, you know, the the fact that he needs a new contract, this isn't like he's got one year left and they got to say, oh yeah, trust, no, we're we're really on board with you. And you're sitting there going, yeah, you you had one eye on my replacement the entire time. Right. You you had my paperwork filled out <laughs> and you were just waiting to sign it. And now it's, uh, you know, now you're, you're coming back. If they come to him and say, here's a long-term contract, that's what I would want to see. Make that commitment where I know that I'm the coach for the next few years at least. Which is really all you can you can ask for in this league, and and yeah, make that commitment. And if they hesitate, if they're you know, well, what if we went two years or something? Then you know the writing is still on the wall, and maybe that's where I would say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. But I mean, I'm trying to think like, has a coach switched teams after a Stanley Cup since Mike Keenan? I was gonna say like, yeah, you probably have to go back to like the '90s when it happened, right? He went from like, Rangers to yeah. St. Louis. Was that what it was? He did. I yeah, forget. which yeah. was a which was a bizarre situation. If if people don't remember that, that like he was under contract to the Rangers, but he argued that they missed like a deadline for a payment by a day, and so on a technicality, he voided his own contract and signed with the Blues pretty much immediately before the Rangers even knew what was happening. And it was this whole thing, and Gary Bettman had to get involved, and there were fines and suspensions and and everything. But he did wind up with the with the Blues because he you know it's not like he could have gone back to the Rangers after that. So that was a whole different situation. I mean, Scotty Bowman retired after one of the Detroit Cups, but that's, you know, he didn't jump over and suddenly start coaching somebody else. Hmm. I, you know what? If I was Barry Trotz, I would get the longest possible contract I could out of the Caps and I would stay because my like my mindset would be, you know, as as an elite athlete myself who just never actually played an elite level of sports ever. I just always wanted to be humble and not show off how great I was sure. at sports. Competitive balance is important. It's not fair yeah. for you to go in. And... I mean, it's not about ego here at Biscuits. It's about it's about team, and this is this is the best team to be on right here. I don't want to go win championships or anything like that. But if I was a player and I was at the top of my game and I had not like like say I was John Tavares, like I would be out of I would be out of New York and I'd already be gone. I'd already have, I'd have a house somewhere where I was going to sign next. Like that's what I would do because I would want to win something before I retired. But if I'm in the Barry Trotz spot, where after you know two decades in the game, I finally win the cup, 
Like, what am I going to go chase? Like, what am I going to go do? What am I going to go, you know, move everyone and start over somewhere else because I can win another cup? Yeah. Like, no, I'd rather probably just stick around and, and keep going because I'm I'm going to be, you know, they're going to retire my my suit. I don't know. What would you retire? Yeah. What, what would uh, you raise to the Raptors? Something, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would do that, but that's just me. Yeah. I, I mean, it depends. And it's it's obviously, you know, he might have family or, you know, certain place he would like to to settle in. So, yeah. But he'll get to call the shot. And that's what makes it so interesting because it's kind of like, you know, he's like the guy whose significant other was like ready to break up for the last few months. And then like suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, I just won the lottery. And now, and now oh, okay. Oh, now I get to decide. I like you now. Yeah. Let's see how this is going to go. But Let's uh, yeah, be, it will be interesting. But uh, we, we may be a game away. But again, Capitals fans, I'm not... I'm not saying anything is done. Where, where is the bandwagon right now? Like you're behind the wheel. Like where is it on the highway? Like what? Where exactly? Like how fast are you going? Like like we, we can see the finish line. Uh huh. But we're not there yet. Oh boy, look at you, Captain Cliche. You 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 could be a coach in this league if you wanted to. You really could. Come I on, totally could. <laughs> probably not. Probably not hard. Uh, all right, let's do some questions and then let's let's move on with our lives. I for the schedule for next week. Uh, we haven't really talked about it with each other, but I imagine if the series is over between now and Sunday, between six, we'll be back here Tuesday. But if it goes seven, we'll be back here Thursday. So set your. So this is probably it. This is this is yeah. The next time you hear us, hockey will be over. Uh, Bo Cleland hashtag all caps. Why does Vegas keep Reeves on the ice late? Is Gallant really the type of coach to goon it up in the Stanley Cup final, or is there some other strategy there? I mean. I think last night there was some message sending. Yeah. Oh, well, I... well, message sending or trying to prevent the other side. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of the same same thing at some point. But yeah, the fact that he was getting a regular shift with three minutes left in a 6-2 game. It, it was just weird. To me, it was weird he was on the ice once they made it 4-2 after um, Smith. Smith or Carlson? The backhand goal. Carl, Smith. It was Riley Smith who got the goal. Um like it was weird that like the next shift he was out on the ice to combat Tom Wilson. Like, like I get the strategy, like, you know, let's play four on four and all that. But I mean, I don't know. You're, you're playing with fire when you play four on four to have him go out there and do that. The, yeah. the, the really, In theory, four on four is better for the team that's trailing. So yeah, I, I kind of get it, but you know, you know, it would have been the real sort of like, you know, outside the box move was to get the four on four. And the second you gain the zone, because there was like, what, five minutes left at that point, you gain the zone and you pull your goalie and play five on four for two minutes and try and get the mm-hmm. goal to make it four three. But they never got to that point. Well, they did get the puck in the zone before the cap scored, I guess. But that's that's Monday morning quarterbacking for sure. Yeah. Um, but at the, but at the end of games where they're they're down a goal where they need to tie it, I just think they look at him as like the big body presence in front of the net, and he's shown hands in the Western Conference Final and all that sort of stuff. So like, I get it. Like he's not like he's not Colton Orr on the ice. He can do no. some stuff, but I no, don't he's know. he's a player for yeah. sure. Yeah. Let me ask you on the subject of Monday morning quarterbacking. Mm-hmm. Is Mark Andre Fleury how close is he to the Pecorine zone where Dave Lozo, Coach Dave Lozo, is? <sighs> Yeah, eyeing the backup. I, I, I in game five. I, I don't with think, your season on the line. Like if they had, if they had a backup with experience and and like you, you know, I, I don't even know who's the is, is Malcolm Subban the backup now. I don't, I don't even know who the backup is at this point because I, I know they switched it off during the playoffs. Yeah, like it's it's that's Flurry's shit, man. Like to Fleury, me, yeah, like to me, you, I don't see a scenario 
where the Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup that doesn't involve Marc-Andre Fleury. Deal, not necessarily stealing games, but playing well. So I, I think you just got to ride with him. Because like, because like, he hasn't been Pekka Rene bad in the series. Like he's just pucks no. are just getting in. Like he's not getting beat from like like seventy five feet out or from bad angles. He's just getting beat. Like he's yeah, basically he giving up. Knocked in, but that was oh the Tom Wilson goal. Yeah. yeah, like that first game was kind of weird. But like since then, like he hasn't been like his save percentage is like eight fifty something or whatever. But like I don't think he's been you know two thousand and thirteen or two thousand and twelve flurry. He's just you know. He's playing behind an expansion team, and it looks like it for the first time in like seven months, eight months. Um, promoted with an arrow up. Boy, people just people go crazy with the Twitter names. How much has John Carlson's free agent stock changed with the Stanley Cup playoff run? Or do you think that the recent success could entice him to take a hometown discount to keep the team together? Well, with the cap going up the way it is, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Caps can throw a bunch of money at him. But yeah. Man, I'll just say paid. this. Are you going to do a hometown discount? That's where you do the one-year deal. Don't take a seven- or eight-year hometown discount. That's stupid because you get two years into that and they've dismantled half the team or fired or whatever else. Don't be a sucker. But, yeah, if you want to take a one, you know, maybe it's not – Maybe it's not a discount to keep the team together. Maybe it's all right. I'll sign. You know, do we have room for one year? I'll sign a one-year deal, and it won't be a discount. I'll make lots of money, kind of like we talked about a few weeks ago. What's your number? What's your number for the one-year deal? Ten million. Okay. Yeah. For a one-year deal, I mean, that's that's that would make him the highest cap hit of any defenseman for like a few days until Carlson and Doughty and everyone signed. That's a really good idea, but it would never happen. It's such a it's it's so it's such the yeah. it's so the way to play. But that's it. what I would do rather than you know, if if I'm look I, I I just had a career year. I'm playing great in the playoffs. This is I'm going to hit unrestricted free agency. I'm going to be either the best or the second best player in unrestricted free agency. Don't come to me with an eight year offer and say, but we need you to take two million less a year to keep the team together. I'm not I'm not doing that. I'll do I'll do something short term and then we'll see if the team is still together and. We'll, we'll keep doing it that way. But I think, he, I mean, his value has only gone up. He's, he's, I mean, he was already gonna, gonna make big money, but yeah, he's, uh, he's only adding. Yeah. He's going to get seven and probably 60, something like that. If he goes to another team, like he's going to get crazy, crazy money, but good for him. Good American, good American kid. Uh, two more Jacob Bourne. This one's kind of easy. Who, who does Ovechkin pass the cup to first after he gets it? It's Backstrom, right? Like there's no other guy who's going to get that cup. Yeah, I don't. I, they don't have like the classic kind of. It, it Backstrom, Holpe, maybe. But yeah, I, I don't. There's yeah, there's no there like old that. guy. Like, like Ovechkin is that guy. Yeah, like he's he's the old guy who's waited forever. Like he should. He should <laughs> just just throw it up in the air and catch it. And, you know. <laughs> he's just on the ice doing like bench presses with it, and everyone's like, "Can we? Can we get the cup?" Like, nope, nope, nope. Hold on, hold on. I gotta pass it back to me first, and then to me. <laughs> And one more, jo- uh, Joanna Watanabe. No, I, I always I always say her name wrong. She writes into the podcast. Watanabe. Watanabe. I always say it wrong the first time. I don't know why. Uh, she says she's been in the hospital with no outside contact for 10 days. What did she miss? Wow. Like well, well, Joanna, um, you, you've, you've missed a lot. Um should we give her the entire nation's uh, uh, news, or do you want to just do you want to just tell her that the Caps won the Cup now? Because if she doesn't know, 
think she's she's beautiful. I don't let's not put her back in the hospital by telling her that the Washington <laughs> Capitals about to win something uh yeah let's see yeah, well, uh, yeah and then maybe just don't check Twitter for the next little while yeah like like I'm I I feel sorry that you're in the hospital but on the bright side though the the whole no contact with anybody for 10 days sounds pretty yeah. freaking sweet how do, does, I, how do I get that? That does sound pretty good. Hey, let me throw one qu- a quick question at you. Just this kind of popped in my mind. Okay, you're the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. Okay. The hockey gods have appeared before you. They have told you you are winning the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. It's done. You are winning the Stanley Cup. Would you rather win in Game Six at oh. home in front of your adoring fans who've been waiting 44 years to share this moment with you? Yeah. Or win in Vegas because you're in Vegas. Oh, that is an insanely tough question. From a fan standpoint, first of all, I really hope Vegas wins game five because like we talked about, I really just want to see a little bit of sweat in game six. Just a little bit. I just the, the, the playoffs as a whole have been kind of disappointing, I would say. Like very few overtimes. Can we get an overtime game? I know. Like it's been what? a month. Can we get two two game sevens total, right? The Bruins yeah. and Leafs and the Caps and, and Tampa. That's been it, right? Like oh no, no, Nashville and Winnipeg went seven two. So three game sevens. Like that's that seems like a really low number, but maybe it's not. I don't know. But to answer your question. I think I would rather, boy, this is tough, man, because like imagine being like a dude in your 20s, you're wealthy, like where do you want to party? You want to party in Vegas. Hockey players go to yeah. Vegas all the time in this in the off season. But and you can fly home and party in Washington and whenever, you know. Yeah, you you just sold me. I was going to say Washington, but I think I would rather win game five or game seven in Vegas because this way, you know, you, you do the whole Vegas thing with the cup. I can't even imagine what it's like to go around Vegas with the Stanley Cup, like the doors that thing must open and the, the, the avenues you can go. It must be insane. And then you have, the, I mean, you, you're going back home. You're, you're going to have a parade back in your town. Oh, and speaking of parade, like I know we're making this podcast longer than I wanted it to today, but Vegas should not have a parade if they lose. That's a really bad precedent to set. I get it. It's Wait, what are, yeah. is, is that a suggestion? Oh, that's a thing that, that's that's apparently going to happen if they lose. No. Yeah, it gives, no, no, you can't have a parade I if know. you lose. Someone someone said that the NHL might not allow teams to do that, so I don't know if they actually can Good. do it. But I think they, I know, like I look, I, I celebrate your team. First year has been crazy and awesome and memorable and historic, and people talk about it for decades. But don't. I mean, if you want to do something, if you want to have like a like, I could even see like no, don't no. <laughs> you can see something, but not a parade. Parades are like the thing that this is going to turn people against. Winners you. get that's like, like no one does this. Like Nashville didn't throw a parade back in Nashville. That was their first Stanley Cup in two decades. Yeah. They went and lost, and no one was like, "Yeah, that was awesome." They were like, "This really sucks. This is devastating." Could, if you're not devastated, handle, like, you're some sort of reception type thing. You know, oh, you got to go but... away. You can't. You can't do it. Like what, what, oh, what, 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 oh, when would you do it? Would you do a competing parade at the same time as the Caps? Like how would that work? You can't. <laughs> Like, hey, come check out our parade instead. Like, no, what? not yeah, no parades. That's that's a oh. bad idea. Oh, see, this is. I, I remember, like, I remember a long, long, long time ago when the Leafs used to win rounds in the playoffs, and people used to make fun of Leaf fans because they'd win a playoff round, and like Young Street would fill up with cars, and they'd be honking horns and stuff, and people would be like, "You won one round, whatever." And now, like every playoff run. Everyone's got like the streets are filled. There's yeah. the red mile and the blue mile and all this stuff. And now we're having parades for like, all right, there's got to be a middle ground somewhere. Like you're allowed to be happy. You go to the you go to the airport and you welcome them back. Well, I guess you can't do yes. that if you lose in Vegas. But you know what I mean. Like you go to their practice facility and wave them on, on the day they clean out their lockers. You don't have a parade for losing the Stanley Cup. You can't. You can't do that. 
I'm sorry. I'm very liberal with doing whatever, with whatever you want to celebrate your team and that success yeah. and all that. Do but your like, crazy I'm, ceremonies. Do have your night fight things with laser beams. I'm I'm all on board. Just no parades. You don't get a parade when you lose. That's it's it seems it seems like a very basic easy thing. Like like I don't want to sit here and be like these millennials and they and their trophies for participating. But I mean a, a Stanley Cup parade for losing is is a serious participation parade. I'm sorry. Like you can't. I'm, yeah, I'll, 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 I'm with you. Maybe, maybe it won't happen. I don't want to get mad about a thing that's not going to happen, possibly. But it's. <laughs> I hope this whole thing was just like some random person tweeted at you, and we just we just spent five minutes. You know being what the angry, the but... truth is? People did tweet because because like I have that tweet that I have that thread on Twitter about like Vegas wins the cup. Everyone should go to the parade in their old jerseys and be like, yes, "Hey, which is a brilliant so, idea." So so I just tweeted last night because I feel like the series is over. I'm like, I wish that parade would have happened, and like people added me with a story from like some Las Vegas paper about there's going to be a parade. I never actually clicked on it because I am that person on the internet who also doesn't click the links. <laughs> I didn't want to click on it. I was like, ah, because like, I, I, I didn't care if there wasn't a parade. I wanted my parade. I don't care about the actual parade. I want my hilarious, you know, Ryan Reeves in a Penguins jersey parade. That would be funny. But, um, all right. I believe we've rambled for long enough. We've, we've covered do everything. We, do we have time for the Sedin song that we worked on? Well, you know what? I, I, I was rehearsing it this week, but we were rehearsing it this week, obviously, and I just don't think yeah. it's ready yet. Okay. Because I mean, it, it, it's. I have my guitar, like I'm ready to go. If... I know, and like I've I've been working with my vocal coach for the past like four days, and like my voice does sound angelic, like I do sound beautiful, but I don't know. I just feel like the lyrics could be better, you know. Like I don't want to I don't want to cheapen what the Sedins meant to Vancouver by just you know the the, the Sedin rhymes we have just aren't strong enough. You know, I just I want us to go back to the drawing board and maybe have something ready for the for after the Stanley Cup final. How about that? Okay. All right. Okay. We'll workshop it a little bit more. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll get the studio space again and we're, yeah, we're, I know it's I know how much it's next week. Sorry, Canucks fans. I this isn't something we ordinarily do. But no, no. We're gonna we're gonna it's delay. Just, yeah, it's just it, it just it, it's not that we're forgetting. It's just we want it to be as good as it can be, and that's just how we are here at Biscuits, a hockey podcast. So um, yeah, that's it. That's everything. We, we we're done. Um, and you wanna, you wanna. I feel like you should, you should be promoting the book at the end of every episode. So you should, you should throw out the, throw out, throw out the link and the, the, the title. Pre-order the that. book. It's the uh, Down Goes Brown History of the NHL available for pre-order now. Booksellers everywhere: Amazon, Indigo, wherever you like to pre-order your books, if that's a thing that you like to do. Hmm. Uh, and the uh, book will be out in October. So there you go. Pre-order. It's like ordering, but you do it before the order. You do it before mm-hmm. you like you you get to make the commitment, but not actually get the thing for <laughs> for many months. <laughs> All right, so uh, come back next week at a predetermined time that we will determine in the future. So post-determined time, I don't know. Pre-record, pre-order. I don't know how it works. So that's it. Thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing all that, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you later. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. 
yahoofinance.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.